Today's episode of The Oil Can is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Oilers tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. Hi there, it's Alan Mitchell along with Jonathan Willis, who is uh, way up north. Uh, John, how's the reception in your area? Well, I can't complain. It's it's a marvel of technology that we're, <laughs> we're able to do this. You know, it, it sure beats the old telegraph line. Oh my God, does it ever! I know you don't have to climb up a telephone pole in the middle of the night or during you know minus seventy with high winds. So it's got to be a good feeling for you. Yeah, my little ice fishing shack is actually heated, so this is this is very exciting. Uh, okay, so let's get right to it. There's lots to talk about. The Edmonton Oilers are two and zero to start the season. Uh, you know, there's a few things that we can go through that are are, are negatives, but what I what I thought was a positive was uh, Dave Tippett is is uh, instituting some nice breakouts. I think Ethan Bear uh, has shown examples of that uh, over and over during the first two games especially in game one, uh, despite Mike Smith sending fastballs past his ear uh, on the way out, which is it quickly back into the zone. But there's been a lot of good goodness in terms of the the out, the out uh, 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 getting out of the zone. And then I think also on the four check as well. So even aside from the 2-0 record, I like that part of the Oilers uh, under Tippett. What about you, John? Mostly I like what I've seen. I, obviously, you have to like the record. I think when you when you look at the lineup, what you kind of expected from the lines has been generated. For the most part, I think the first and second lines have both, you know, in their various incarnations, look decent. Um, my my big question is this team's ability to shut down the opposition. L.A. wasn't really a test in that regard. That that Kings team is pretty awful, and they looked it. But uh, you know, Vancouver they might be a middle of the pack team this year, and I I didn't think the Oilers played all that well in Game One, particularly their you know um makeshift checking line so maybe riley shahan coming back will change that but but i don't want to harp on the negative for the most part i've liked what i've seen i had low expectations coming into this year and i was hoping the team would take a big picture approach i I thought that was in their best long-term interests and they've done that do you think i I, their, their possession numbers aren't great uh that's always a concern I, I feel like these two teams, along with, with maybe Anaheim, although with their start, who knows, I, I feel like those those teams in the Pacific are going to be clubs you've got to grab some wins off of. So, uh, you know, sort of happy that they're they're ahead, but it's like the year Habby Boulin came here. What was that, 09, where you're winning games and maybe you shouldn't be, uh, and, and you know it's going to catch up to you sooner or later. 
I feel, again, like when McDavid's on the ice or they've got the mature clef bomb on the ice, they're fine. It's that time away from McDavid when he's off the ice that is a concern. And I think they're even right now uh, at five on five in, in terms of goal share or even strength in terms of goal share. But against these two teams, I guess I feel like you'd, you'd kind of want more from that, from those two teams. Well, if you're looking at a playoff club, I think you're absolutely right. But it, it's one of those things where... I, I don't really expect a playoff appearance. I, I don't think you do either. <laughs> and and for a, a club that's using a lot of placeholder guys and is breaking in a lot of young defensemen, I, I think the Larson injury is a is you know catastrophic. If you were looking at this as a playoff year, it's been okay. Um, most of the bleeding to me has been the Darnell Nurse pairing, that's with Ethan Bear, that's with Adam Larson, and that third line, the the JJ Kara. Uh, being the only member of which who has played in, in both games. So maybe that looks better when Shehan and, and Archibald are back. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I do think you're right that the key is to prevent the bleeding there, but I, I'm curious, do you think there's any way to achieve that? Uh, you know what? Somebody has to emerge. I was, I was looking around. Once Adam Larson went down, I said, you know, like you can have great breakout passing, but you're, you're going to have a lack of experience on that right side almost no matter what you do and and in order for them to to really make a push i think you'd need benning or bear or Pearson or or bouchard or whomever to really step up and i don't i honestly don't see it i uh, you know i like those players and i'm really impressed with bear but i think you, you know you you can't really ex, you can't expect that to occur somebody's going to look pretty good next to Clefbaum. i think that's fair uh probably Pearson based on how Tippett's going the the nurse depending upon who he plays against nurse and bear make sense to me because bear is a really good outlet passer but you still have a lot of chaos without the puck and that's something you're going to have to deal with um i i i wish um I wish there was a way for them to go out and get a guy because I'm really curious about what this team would look like with a with a solid top pairing and then two reasonable pairings afterwards. But I think you're right. I think the Larson uh, injury, it gives an opportunity for young players, but probably outside the playoffs. Well, and one of the issues with the Larson injury is the role that he plays. Personally, I, I like Ethan Bear with Darnell Nurse. I, I think you're right to, to point out you know, his puck-moving ability, and Darnell Nurse has not had a partner who can do that for years, probably not going back to uh, Andre Sekera in his rookie year if we're, if we're thinking about guys who played a lot with him. And, and I think that's valuable. I think Bear brings that. But the issue is that it, it's not just Nurse. Like You're playing not necessarily a ton with the really high-end offensive guys on that pair, but you are playing a ton against good players, at least, you know, theoretically, if, if Tippett keeps his, his current rotations going. And you need somebody who can fill that penalty kill slot. Like, I, I look at the penalty kill and, you know, Nurse, Clefbaum, great, that's fine. Russell's, you know, established there. They've kind of started with Bear in that second pairing role and that to me is is going to be crucial if he can kill penalties at the nhl level he's to me he's set because I, I thought last year he like that, that that to me you you need at least four guys who can kill penalties yeah. and ideally five on your blue line and that to me is is the one area that i've wondered about bear for a while and it's going to be a good test for him at least john do you think if if bear can can manage that what i'm saying is second pairing plus penalty kill plus maybe some power play does that make not that we're trying to trade people off the roster but that makes bending a little more expendable right 
Why do you hate Matt Benny? I don't. I swear to God, John. <laughs> what, what is it that if, makes you arbitrarily pick these if, defensemen that you don't like? If you turn Benning into another Ladislav Smead, there's going to be trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I, you know what the issue with both Benning and to a lesser degree, Chris Russell, it's a lesser degree with him because he's got history playing both sides. And, you know, he does a lot of different things, like even playing in the third pair role. He's basically been a top four defenseman on the PK. Um, the issue with Benning and to that lesser degree Russell is that they're occupying entry level spots. So if you're bringing a left shot defenseman up, he's not playing ahead of Nurse, he's not playing ahead of Clefbaum, you have to bump Russell out. If you bring a right shot defenseman up, you know, right now they've got him in the top four. That's not ideal. But even if it were, they've got so many right shot defensemen on the way that somebody's got to occupy that position that Benning is, unless Benning's giving you something you can't get elsewhere. And and when I look at Benning, what kills me about him is that he hasn't been able to fill a penalty kill role. You can't count on him being one of your top four guys on the PK, and I, I think that ultimately is going to be his undoing, even though he's a very good even strength defenseman. It's the, the the defense is going to be something we look at all year because, as you say, the the young players. But can we agree that Oscar is like, I mean, he it's like last year before he got hurt where where I, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm like, man, you know, it's not very often that the Oilers have drafted a guy, developed a guy and had a guy play before trading him who looks really as as fabulous as Oscar Kleppbaum. He's a, a wonderful player uh, and, and you know, he's capable of doing a lot of things at, at over 200 feet. I, I, I just think he's a hell of a hockey player. Yeah, well, I mean, what what doesn't he do, you know? No. I, I think the, the one thing that people criticize is his lack of a physical game, but, I, you know, he's, he's strong enough. You don't see him get physically overwhelmed the way we, we did see a little bit with Bear at times in the L.A. game. Yes. Uh, and, and, and the other thing about him is he's so disciplined. To me, in the modern league, what you want is you want a strong, very mobile defender who doesn't... Like, if you've got a guy who's taken a bunch of penalties, as a rule, it's a sign that he's getting beat. And and the fact that Clefbaum doesn't do that, to me, it's, it's just an indicator of how often he is able to keep himself in front of developing plays. That's the Oil Can podcast. Uh, I'm Alan Mitchell, and that's John Willis. Uh, orders on the road off to the island to play the New York Honors. By the way, check out the No Sleep Till Belmont uh, podcast. Arthur Staple and Mark Parrish, uh, pretty famous names there, uh, and great great content if you're looking for uh, inside info on the Honors as the Oilers handed to the game on Tuesday. But with, with Riley Shahan coming back, the first thing I noticed about the usage uh, checking natural stat trick on the two games is Leon playing a hell of a lot. And I'm reminded of the time that uh, Dallas Aikens played Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think it was 28-42 or something in a game. He was basically out there for <laughs> half the game. And then Nugent was no damn good for about two weeks afterwards. Leon's a big man. He can he can take the, these minutes in the short term. But as they head out, John, are you are what are you thinking in terms of uh, uh, deployment? Do you think they'll they'll leave Leon on the wing and move Shahan and say Haas is the the third, three, four guys switching up back and forth? Or do you think there's a chance we'll see Leon move into the middle? Well, we'll have to get uh, Daniel's not with us today because he's, of course, traveling to New York for this road trip. So he'll he'll have to ask. Uh, he'll, he'll have some good questions, I think, after after this coming game just to see how things transition. Uh, you know, with Dreisaitl, I, I don't. I don't know that I'd worry about it at this juncture because that first game where he played a lot, you know, they, they talk, Dave Tibbet talked about this 
uh, the fact that they didn't have a game for a few days and he didn't mind riding him a little heavy early. But, you know, it is an issue and they can't do it over the course of the year. And, and Shahan coming back, that's going to ease the load at even strength a bit because, I, I mean, both these games now, we saw one game where Gaetan Haas barely played and then we saw one game where Colby Cave barely played after, after a mistake on a goal against. And, you know, if you've got Shahan, who the coach has a little more confidence in, that'll help. But the other thing where he's really going to help is shorthanded. When you break down Dreisaitl's minutes, he's playing about 19 minutes a game at even strength, which is a little on the high side. You don't want that really much above 18, I think. He's playing four and a half on the power play, which is again on the high side, but it's great if you're getting the power plays. We'll see if that lasts. But he's playing three minutes a night shorthanded, and ideally you want that pretty close to, I don't know, 30 seconds. Like I, I think the idea of having him as a swingman on the PK is is good, but you brought in all these penalty killers to specifically keep the skill guys out of those slots. Um, I'm, I'm curious, is do, do you think that he's going to get this much special teams time going forward, or and you know is that even strength rate sustainable? Well, I think I think the the penalty kill time will go away with Shahan. That's my belief, and he'll get some yeah. maybe on faceoffs in in uh, Edmonton zone because I think Leon is probably the best faceoff guy. But I think that you're right. The the penalty killing goes away. The power play is interesting because that you know Neil has obviously adapted early fairly well. Uh, but I don't. I, I just can't see a scenario where Leon and McDavid don't play together on the power play. So for me, I think I think the even strength minutes when they're when they're ahead by a couple and the rare occasions that's going to occur maybe. But I think we're <laughs> I think we're looking at a guy who's going to play a lot at even strength and a lot of, at uh, uh, on the power play. Certainly while they're in contention, there's a there's a sense I get, John, that this organization is. Like they're they're sending out a, a message that they they want to be competitive this year. I, I think they're I, I I agree with you. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I they are acting like and they are they are working like every point counts. And I get it because the the past history or whatever. But I my sense is an ideal season for Holland and Tippett is that they they make the playoffs or damn close. But even if they do miss the playoffs, they they can w- walk around and and spend the summer talking to free agents as if we're building something here. I think they want to get the 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 smell of the the past couple of years off and get themselves back to more of a 2016-17 feel. And that th- I, that's why I think that they're they're being so aggressive on uh, early games and and reflected I think best in the fact that Drysidle has been used so much. They can't do it long term. Shahan will take the the power play or the penalty kill minutes away. I, I think he's going to be on the power play. I think that's too, that combination is too valuable. Uh, McDavid and Leon together on the power play. I you know it's a, it's a good perspective. I, I think you look at their schedule at the start of the year. It's a lot easier than it's going to be later on. And if you bank those points now, then not only do you look like you're in the race, because you are, which is good for lots of reasons. I mean, from selling tickets to the fact that the better you play now, the fewer holes you have to fill later, because obviously some internal guys have emerged. Uh, the, the power play to me is, is actually really interesting when we talk about um, Dreisaitl and McDavid together, because to me, it's kind of looked through two games like Nugent Hopkins there have been spots, or sorry, moments at least, where I've looked at him and I've said, it would sure be nice to have a guy who's a right shot there. Yeah. Because he has he's he's received passes and he hasn't been able to, you know, one time or, or make moves. And and even though Nugent Hopkins is so crazy good on the power play, like I would keep those three together. I wonder if there's not some workaround, whether that's five forwards on the power play 
or whether that's putting Dreisaitl in a net front role. I, I don't know what it is, but to me, I, I've always looked at this power play with those three guys and I've thought they have to be a part of it, but they have to find a way to get a right shot guy on that far boards for to, to cash in, you know, all those sweet McDavid passes. You know, it's so true. And it's, I, I, I've actually spent time looking, trying to find an example of like Nuge, as Dello said, was a, is a power play, witch, and there aren't very many players. I, I don't think uh, who are better than he is on the power play. The problem is one of them is Connor McDavid and, and they, <laughs> they actually end up doing a lot of the same thing. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have an answer, but I totally agree with you. I mean, if you could find two righty, uh, you know, shooters or, or a, like a right-handed uh, defenseman, say Pearson, who could play with them, and then another righty guy as the uh, the hinge or whatever you call them over on the left side, something like that might work. But my goodness, they're they're just three splendid players, and I think people look at the orders and go, "Why can't they be better on the power play?" But I I also believe you've identified one reason why they may not have been as good as we would expect over these years because they they're they they're three lefties and maybe have one righty with the kind of impact uh, or ability that they have was on there. I think it might be a little bit different. Well, I think Chason helped a little bit with that last year. I mean, it's hard because when the guy's in the net front role, there's only his involvement with the play is not the same as in the other three forward positions on the power play. But I think we saw moments last year where Chason moved out of that out of that role, you know, just move, regular movement that you have on your power play and where he was able to be effective in ways that Milan Lucic wasn't. And, and partially this handedness, you know, there's they're different players with different skill sets. But but I, I think that helped. And, you know, you mentioned Bear earlier. I wonder if he doesn't factor in on the power play at that's some true. point this year, because I do think that's an area where he like I like Oscar Clefbaum there. I don't think Clefbaum's critical to that setup. And Bear maybe gives them a bit of a different look. All right, John, we had uh, uh, agreed we were going to talk about the young players and Bear being one of them. Yes. Uh, and and uh, you, you suggested... We get to play our game now, right? Uh, what, what's the game called again? Buy, sell, and hold. Buy, sell, and hold. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you go we, first. We have fun activities. You go first, John. I go first. Okay. Okay, okay. well, let, let's start with Ethan Bear. Okay. So the rules of the game, I, I think everybody understands this. Buy, you, you believe in the player. Uh, hold, you're, you're going to wait and see. And, and sell, you're, you're not sure. So of the newcomers, Ethan Bear, Al, buy, sell, or hold. For me, it's buy. And I'll, I'll tell you why. He, I understand Evan Bouchard is coming, and I get that. And it might be 25 games or something. But one of the things I was so worried about in the summer, and I'm actually pretty happy that Ken Holland didn't do, there's a lot of talk of, well, maybe they'll, they'll package Lucic and Bear and, you know, get out of that contract. And, and we always say it. We always say, you know, never trade a defenseman or any young player before you know what he is. And and I think there was a little bit of danger because of Caleb Jones and William Lagus. And maybe the fact that Bear was right-handed saved him. But uh, we're, we're just a couple of games in. We can't get, you know, too excited about it. But he really does look like a nice match for this group. And his skills, along with his hard work and I think increased speed this year, uh, have me as a guy who's buying in uh, completely on Bear. I'm glad you mentioned the increased speed because I I got to I didn't watch all the American League games last year but I got to watch uh, ten or so over the regular season and then the playoffs and bear to me I I thought he was in a position where like he never really got on track because of the injuries and I thought even so you know he should be able to compete for a third pair role he looks so much faster this year than he did a year ago there um, 
physically I, I'm still not totally sold on him like he, he does get overwhelmed I think he's smart enough that he's going to get away with it and he's so good with the puck but that extra mobility and, and especially in the offensive zone he you know he's a swashbuckler out yep. there with the puck on his stick he he moves around in a way I, I can't remember many Oilers defensemen doing and it's it's a treat to watch so I'll I'll agree with the buy rating there I I tracked his game uh, as the first game and I was surprised there was one point where I was you know, I, I rewound the tape and I'm looking for him and he's in the slot. He's waiting for a pass. It doesn't come, but he slides up. He has no fear uh, in terms of, of, you know, somebody covering for him or whatever. And I, and I, you know, probably partly Jay Woodcroft, but I think that's just instinct as well. And I think he's got pretty good offensive instincts as he gets more comfortable. I remember the goal he scored a couple of years ago was him sliding down uh, and, and getting a nice pass from McDavid, I believe. Uh, this is a player who has some creativity in the offensive zone, and I think it's going to come out this year. Uh, pretty feeling pretty positive about him. Uh, let's let's so so yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of mobility and getting comfortable. Uh, yes, go ahead. Our, our next next guy on our list is uh, is Joachim Nygaard, right? Yeah, that's the guy I have, and I'm I. I I want you to go first this time because I, 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 <laughs> okay. I, I well, I, I, mine's boring. So I want, I want to, I want to hear yours first. Yeah. What makes you think mine's any, any better? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm buying on, on Nygaard. I loved him in the preseason. The things I liked about him. And, and it's funny because I'm a guy who's very much like, okay, well, you know, if he's got the tools, why aren't the results coming? So get, show me results. And, and, and that's the guy I like. And Nygaard didn't really do that for me in the preseason. Like he, he had moments, but it's the tools like he's so fast he's so dogged he's he's one of those you know quote unquote hard on the puck guys i really like him i think once he i i I think it's hard to oversell the learning curve from europe to north america or vice versa as we've seen over lockouts in the past sometimes nhl players have that learning curve over there too and don't adapt very well um to me once he gets comfortable this is an nhl player i don't know if he's a top six forward now but to me, he's a guy who can kill penalties for you, probably, and who can generate stuff for you at five on five. What do you think? Am I nuts? No. I, I, what I'm surprised by is that he's not what I thought he was going to be. When I, I only saw a video on him and I read all the, the scouting reports everybody else said, but he's he's a different player. He's he's far more physical than I thought he would be. What He had a hammer hit, I think, against Vancouver, but it might have been in the preseason. Uh, he's, he, he gets involved. He's, he goes to areas, and he's not like he's nothing like I thought he was going to be. I, I had in my mind he was going to be a fleet uh, perimeter player who, who maybe you know had some touch around the net. What I, what I think he's capable of doing is playing uh, outside a skill line, but, but also you know he might have that. I don't, I don't know what his hands are like. I know that, that he scored whatever 21 goals or 23 in the SHL, and he has ha- already scored a nice goal in the first two games. But I, I was surprised that he had a wider range of skills than I thought he would. The speed can work on offense and defense, but you have to want it too. I, I think he might have more gears than, than I thought he did uh, heading into to training camp and watching him in the early days. So I'm buying on him as well. This is another one that's really tough. Is is and we've only seen him a little bit because of uh, injuries. But uh, Joel Pearson is. I saw him in the really good in the preseason where I was worried about his mobility, but he skates forwards and backwards very well. Uh, obviously, going to take some some time to to maybe uh, get acclimated to the North American game but what, what's your thought on him with with Evan Bouchard and others pushing what's your thought on Pearson 
See, now you should have gone first because mine's Leon. I'm going to say hold. <laughs> I, I liked him in the preseason. And, and I liked him for the same reason you did, which is his skating and, and then his brain. Like, he's just, he's a very bright guy and he makes plays quickly, which it, it was interesting to read. Uh, if you haven't read it, um, Daniel's got a, a new Jim Bowman, yes. an excellent story on him this morning. You know, his, his move from being a, a, a teacher to being, and, uh, you know, a, a guy who people thought was lazy and made decisions too slow and, and couldn't skate. And, you know, he, he doesn't look like the player. Daniel describes it all, but he was that guy at one point. Uh, that being said, it's so hard to get a read on him at this point. I think he's, I, and I wonder if there's a risk of him and Bear fighting for the same job, and if I have to pick one, I'll go with the younger guy and 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 the guy who's maybe a little bit more dynamic. At the moment, there's room for both, of course, but uh, that's, that's kind of my concern with him, and I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's all fair. I uh, when I was reading that scouting report, it sounded like me. You know, can't skate, does, <laughs> doesn't work, a little lazy. I'm like, man, this is Who's been uh, watching my beer league games. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, so, but but I everything you said is true. I I I like his skating better than uh, I thought I would. I, I, he's mobile, and I like that about him. But we just haven't seen him very much, and and there are times when you can you can tell that his his gap control and his anticipation isn't so much North American as the wider surface. But that's going to come with time. You make a really good point, though, uh, John, about the it might come down to once Bouchard is here, um, th- it may be one or the other. Uh, and, and it could also be a trade of a player that I mentioned before that I'm not going to mention again. Again, the- again with the trading <laughs> betting stuff. Okay. We, we, we've got to shift topics here. We're going to move on to the next player before you trade Matt Benning again. Um, buy, sell or hold Al Gaetan Haas. Oh, uh, well, I'm almost, I'm really tempted to say the same thing as I did with Pearson. I will say hold only because uh, I, you know, we see him better each time, but I, I got to tell you, I like the player far more than I thought I would. When I first saw him, I, I was almost prepared to write him off. Uh, But he's got, he's got better speed than I thought he did. He's bigger than I thought he was. And he thinks the game really well. The goal, the goal that Negard scored involved some pretty nice uh, thought processes and then execution from Haas. So I'll say hold, but I, 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 he's past Colby cave on my depth chart. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll be, well, yeah, I'll be dull and agree with you. I, <laughs> when I first saw him, I thought he was really smart. Like, he, he, you can tell he's a cerebral player, but he was so low impact that I thought he might be one of those guys that just couldn't find a way to, uh, to, to have a, an impact on the game. And, you know, he, he, had a, he had the best game he's played so far against L.A., and it's one game, so that's why the hold rating. But he certainly looked good. And I think, you know, when it comes down to him in Cave, the question I have is, why would you go with the guy you're pretty sure of over the guy you're not sure of? And, and you know, Cave's younger, but we've got a pretty long track record of Cave in North America not really scoring. I think he's a perfectly good 13th forward. It's nice to have a, you know, a spare center that you can just plug in as needed, but he's not a guy who's going to score for you based on his history. And Haas, maybe. Yeah, I think, and I think that you know, as a as a guy who's uh, on the on the you know on the bench or, or uh, uh, healthy scratched, I think that's a, a spot that Cave can fill, and we don't have to worry about development or any of those things. So I, I'm with you on that. Now we come to I think the 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 one that was would be the most interesting, uh, Mike Smith. Um, but you got to go first this okay, time. Okay, right? I will. I. I 
I, I feel like Mike Smith is a veteran. He's 37. And, the, you know, in the media here, I felt that there was a sense of, well, you know, the, they made up for him and the, the teammates rallied around. But I, he turned a 6-3 game into a, a 6-5 game. And I, 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 I'm not as, uh, I guess, forgiving as that. And I also don't think that, he, you know, he's played well. There's no doubt. But I, I, uh, I'm at a hold position, although I, I, I think he's, played well i don't like the fact that that the 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 two the two egregious errors were were um in a game where you i I think you had to win it and so for me i would like to see a little more measured uh and controlled uh breakouts with that passing because you know two goals against in one game is is like that's not acceptable and his goaltending is good there's no doubt but i I think that the Oilers need more from him, and I hope we don't see that again until after Christmas. Because, man, that was that—that's a, a, a unnecessary, unforced errors times two from a veteran. So I'll say hold. Oh, I'm I'm excited because I I, I smell that sweet controversy that makes for, <laughs> for dynamite listening, or so I've been told. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there is doubt that he's his goaltending's good. I mean, he was great against Vancouver, yeah. like way better than I was expecting, and so I should probably be more cautious than I'm going to be here. But I'm a sell on Smith. I've been a sell on him since the moment they signed him. the The track record of 37 year old guys coming off the year he had is horrible. I do there and and the, the the excuses you hear for the year he had and the reasoning like oh well he was good in the playoffs yes sometimes goalies are good for five games that happens um I I don't think he's a like I'm I'm more optimistic about him now than I was but I'm still I, I think you got to bank on the long-term trend here and the long-term trend is not great and well not not great it's not good and you combine that with those puck handling decisions i mean that's that was baffling i um i I don't know how many good plays with the puck you have to make to make up for uh two goals against i i I, the the line that went through my head i think craig mctavish said it when he was gm and he was talking about how analytics guys have determined that if you you win 40 extra face-offs it's one extra goal or something like that so if the same standard applies you know mike smith's got to make 80 good plays to compensate for two goals and goal differential that he gave up in the second game of the season you know if you're if you're judging his puck handling as a positive or a negative it's a high bar to clear i don't think it makes up for the fact that on balance, we should probably expect him to not post very good numbers this year. Well, I, I and I also felt the reaction, uh, maybe not by fans, but by media, was a little soft, almost like what you said about the uh, last year's uh, uh, playoffs, where it, it's there was a little bit of a skate for Mike Smith uh, the next day. I, 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 for me, a veteran goaltender who gives away two goals—that's the lead, and and we really didn't see that reaction. I, I, I Mike Smith is is new here. Uh, he's setting the tone, yeah. and and I mean I'm thrilled uh, for the for Smith and the Edmonton Oilers. It makes great copy and great you know conversation when you come back and win the game. That said, uh, if they'd lost the game, then I think we'd have a, a different conversation. But what doesn't change is that there was two goals, unforced errors. It would have been an easy pass out or or control the play or do whatever you have to. Don't make that error. And and you know he's a veteran. He 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 has to know that. Hopefully we won't see it again for a long, long time. 
Uh, Let me just grab my notepad here. Uh, Al wants to run Mike Smith out of town. <laughs> Wait a after minute. Two I was games. I was hold. There we go. I was hold. You're the sell guy. <laughs> At least I'm holding on to him. Uh, and then uh, our final one is James Neal, and he reminds me of, and it's it's so funny. He he's a guy who can do not a lot and still score two goals in a game, and I I like his physicality. I think that he's an interesting uh, player at five on five. I I my I'm telling you, I think he's going to end up playing a lot with McDavid at some point. That's just my opinion. But I I on the power play, he's really shown well, and he's a shooter. Uh, he should have shot with the empty net. I don't know why he didn't. But uh, so, I mean, you're asking a goal scorer to score goals, and he's done it twice. So I'm a, I'm a buy on James Neal. Well, let's let's establish one thing, Al. If Patrick Maroon taught us anything, it's that you cannot have a slow winger on Connor McDavid's line. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid, of course. Um, I, 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 you know, everybody kind of rags on Neil's foot speed, and, and you watch him play, and you go, yeah. And, and this is what Calgary fans would tell you right now. It's like, yeah, sure, he had two goals, but did you see him skate? And the argument against that is a, it's a John Cooper line about Patrick Maroon that a lot of guys who quote-unquote can't skate end up being pretty good NHL players. And, you know, I don't think Neil has to be blazing fast to be effective. I think he brings you, well, I mean, he obviously brings you something Milan Lucic never did. Um, I'm, I'm writing a piece right now, and, and the when I looked at the numbers, I couldn't believe it. Neil had seven shot attempts in his second game in Edmonton. Milan Lucic didn't do that in any game last year. So, hmm. you know, that, <laughs> that that's a different skill set right there. He's a shooter. And he has an offensive dimension that they badly need. And if you play him on a line with somebody who's, you know, a, a brilliant all-situations player, whether that's McDavid, whether that's Dreisaitl, whether that's Nugent Hopkins, and your other winger's a guy who is fast, like a Joachim Nygaard, I, I think James Neal can be productive in that role. If he's a... Uh, I'm a buy. I don't know that he's going to ever be the 25-goal James Neal again, but if he's an 18-goal James Neal, that's fine on your second line. It Would you be... Uh, open to the idea if Nygaard uh, keeps developing and and Niels hangs around, would you would you be open to trying McDavid with Nygaard and Neil and then moving Leon to Nuge's line? I, I really love that Tippett played Drysaitel and Nugent Hopkins together because I've been I feel like I've been screaming into the void for two years here and Todd McClellan's been doing the whole well no we'll we'll keep McDavid and Drysaitel together again it didn't work last time but or not, nothing else worked on the team but that that line worked so I don't want to mess with it I I really like seeing different looks I I think it's it's absolutely the right call to uh, to try different things and I think it's going to depend on the opponent I think there's going to be nights like L.A. I thought was a good place to put McDavid and Drysaitel together. The New York Islanders, I, I think that's a place where maybe you uh, you try something a little bit different. Yeah, I agree with that. John, we're out of time. I've got six more things to talk to you about. Yeah, we, we barely worked on our list, Al. <laughs> I, you know what? This just and, and Al actually comes up with the initial list, so he does most of the work. It just shows you're working too hard. Well, uh, you know, thank you for noticing. I so appreciate it. Um, and I've got to go well, over. Well, I've been picking on you all shows. So I feel <laughs> I have to be nice now. You know, I'll tell you what. If this Matt Benning thing turns into another Lattice Lives Mead thing, I'm going to drive up I there. I cannot believe how much you dislike that guy. <laughs> wow. Incredible. What did Matt Benning ever do to you? Oh, right? my God. John, thanks for, for dropping by, and I appreciate your time. And uh, uh, I guess we're back right on back uh, l- later in the. Are you back in the, later in the week? 
I think so. Yeah, okay. I, I, I believe, you know, barring something unforeseen, yeah. All right. this, this was fun. Let's, I enjoyed uh, let's it. Let's do it again. All right, this has been the Oil Can Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.